0: Tonight I want to talk to you about how to know that you know God. How you know that you know God. Tell me if this has ever happened to you. You're driving through Walmart parking lot. There's people everywhere going in and out of the store. And suddenly in all that sea of faces, you recognize somebody. You see a familiar face and you, you say, I know that I know them. Problem is, you can't remember how you know them. Your mind searches desperately through the files of your memory, comes up, I got nothing. How do you know you know them? Could be mistaken. You may think you know them, but you really don't. They may remind you of someone else. And then sometimes though, your brain will finally find what it's looking for and you will declare to nobody in general, I knew that I know them. Let's modify the question. How do you know that you know God? A lot of what you know about God comes from your upbringing. Maybe you were brought up in a God-fearing home, go to church every Sunday, go to Sunday school, Every time the doors are open, pray over every meal. Family devotions every morning. Read the Bible on your own. And you say, Preacher, that's how I know that I know him. Maybe you grew up differently. You only went to church on Easter and Christmas. You never darken the doors of a Sunday school. And the only time you read your Bible is when you're scared or when you're alone. Those two are opposite extremes, but I want you to consider something. It is possible to be on either side of that question and still not really know God. I've met people who've been in church all their lives. You probably have too. And yet they have some very odd ideas about who God is. There are a lot of people who struggle with doubt and flirt with unbelief and They end up turning their back on everything they once knew about God. I think this is one of the reasons that the Bible warns us in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Another way of putting that is ever so often you need to ask yourself, how do I know, how do I know that I know God? Well, we're going to find some answers tonight. Here in Hebrews chapter 1. Follow along with me. Beginning in verse 1, this is the word of our God. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says... Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And... You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak you will fold them up, and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fall, will not, excuse me, will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Pray with me. Lord, at the end of our lives, we will realize, if we don't realize yet, that the only thing that really matters is that we know you. The only thing that will make a difference in our eternity and our joy will be the fact that we know you. But Lord our hearts can be deceitful. Sometimes there are those who think they know you, who believe they know you but they do not. They have never really they've never really had a personal relationship with you. There are some of us, Lord, who have a personal relationship with you, but we sometimes have doubts. And we sometimes wonder, how can we know? How can we know that we know God? Lord, I I believe with all my heart you have the answer to that question tonight. Through your word and by the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Nobody knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, There are a lot of speculations, maybe Paul, maybe Timothy, maybe, maybe Apollos. But even if we don't know who wrote this book, we do know why. The author writes to a church where people are struggling. They have trusted in Christ. They have committed themselves to follow him, but they're enduring some very heavy persecution. They're losing their livelihoods, losing their homes, losing their lives. They're wondering if maybe we need to backtrack. Maybe what I thought I knew about Jesus, I don't really know. Maybe what I thought I knew about God is wrong. The whole book of Hebrews is a warning and an encouragement, a call for us to be sure about what we know about God. And first of all, it reminds us here in these verses that we know God because God reveals himself. God reveals himself. Call comes into the local armory to get a report on the number and status of the weapons and vehicles. Now, private answers the phone and gives this answer. Well, we've got three Jeeps, four tanks, 500 rifles, plenty of ammo. Oh, and we have two Cadillacs for all the fat generals. The voice on the other end of the line says, Private, do you know who I am? No, I'm General Weston. Well, General, do you know who I am? No. Who are you? That's for me to know and you to find out. How well you know anybody depends on two things. Two things. First of all, how well do you want to know them? Second of all, how well do they want you to know them? When you first meet someone, you keep a certain amount of distance. Your conversations are mainly at a superficial level. The only way you really know them is that you seek to know them more. The only way you get to know them is they've got to invite you on the other side of that wall. That is true about God. The Bible says there is a God that everybody knows there's a God. They may deny it. They may suppress it. But everybody knows. But that's not enough. Knowing God personally means that God has to reveal himself. And that's what verse 1 says. God who is at various times, excuse me, God who at various times and in various ways spoke, spoke. Our God is a God who speaks. In the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, God spoke to Adam and Eve. Abraham and Sarah wandering through the desert wishing for that son. God spoke to them. When Elijah is so discouraged, God speaks to him in a still small voice. God speaks loud and clear to Saul on the Damascus Road. All these ways, God is speaking. God is revealing himself at various times and in various ways. That tells me something. God wants to be known. He invites us behind the wall. And so if that's true, plug it into the formula. There are two ways you can know God. Number one, you want to know him. And number two, he wants you to know him. Do you want to know him? Now, don't answer that question too quickly. Do you want to know him as he is or as you'd like for him to be? Do you want to know him as you've heard that he is or as he truly is? If you really want to know God, you have to do more than talk. You have to listen to him. You have to look for him. You have to seek him. Jeremiah 29, 13 gives us this promise from the lips of God. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Philip Yancey says, I've become more convinced than ever that God finds ways to communicate with those who truly seek him. He reveals himself to all those who seek him. Well, how do you seek him? Where can you listen to him? Where do you look for him? Well, the rest of this chapter tells us two ways that God reveals himself. First of all, God reveals himself through Jesus Christ. Here's a puzzle. How does the invisible God reveal himself to human beings? And the answer is by making himself visible. More specifically, by becoming human Verse 1 and 2 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us, revealed himself to us by his son. Now, there are a lot of ways that God reveals himself. He can reveal himself through creation. Sometimes he is the voice of your conscience telling you when you're doing something wrong. Uh, Sometimes it's through your circumstances. God is trying to get our attention. But the clearest, purest, most perfect way God reveals himself is through his son, Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in verse 3. He is the express image of his person. What that means is when you see Jesus, you see God. Jesus is the invisible God made visible in his flesh. Verse 2, He says, it says he is the heir of all things. What that means is... Everything that belongs to God belongs to Christ. It belongs to him because he's the creator. Verse two says, through whom also he made the worlds. He is the master. He's not only the one who created everything, he's the master of everything that's been created. That's why he can give a man who's born blind back his sight. He can give him eyeballs. That's why he can walk on water and calm a stormy sea. That's why he can speak to people whose body has died and call them back to life. He reveals himself as glorious. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 and 2 talks about when Jesus takes Peter and James and John up to a high mountain. And it says there, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. It's almost as if Jesus peeled back the curtain to let, us, to let them have a glimpse of his glory, of who he really was. Verse 3 says that he reveals himself as Savior. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The very sins which blacken us before God, Jesus makes us white as snow by his blood. John 1.18 says, no one, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. He has revealed him. When it comes to knowing God, there's nobody else that can compare. Not prophets, not priests, not kings, not even the angels. The only way you know that you know God is by knowing Jesus. Not knowing about Jesus, but knowing him personally. Which brings up one more problem. How can you know someone that you've never physically met? Well, the Bible says that God reveals Jesus through the scriptures. I enjoy a good biography. In a good biography, it focuses on one person. Uh, their life, their trials, uh, their thoughts. There may be a lot of other characters in the biography, but the author focuses on this one person, and on this one person, he almost makes them come alive. You almost feel like you know them personally. Well, the Bible is full of characters, full of people, full of folks of all walks of life, all uh, throughout thousands of years. And yet, in the Bible, there is only one main character, and that character is God. Sometimes even people who read the Bible forget this. When you read the last few verses of this chapter, uh, it reminds me that there's always been a fascination with angels. And then you can understand why the scriptures paint some stunning portraits. Uh, it's an angel that guards the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword. It's the angels that call down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the angel that shuts the mouth of the lions when Daniel's in the den. When an angel shows up, the first thing they almost always say is, don't be afraid. That tells me there's something awesome. There's something frightening about angels. But here's the thing. Angels reflect God's glory, but they do not share God's glory. There's only one who does, and that's Jesus. The author of this book goes through scripture after scripture to show that to be true. In other words, throughout all the scriptures that he's quoting here, he is pointing to Jesus through the word of God. In verse 5, he, he quotes Psalm 2 and 7. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. 2 uh, Samuel seven fourteen, I will be his father. He shall be my son. In verse 6. He quotes Psalm 89:27, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. In verse 9, he quotes Psalm 45, verse 6 and 7. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Now, I'm not going to go through all of these uh, allusions, all of these quotes, But you get the idea. According to scriptures, angels serve God. Angels worship God. The God they worship is Jesus. The Jesus that is revealed in the scriptures. What he says here is the scripture is a lens. It's a lens that does not focus on angels. It focused on Christ. Focus on Christ. And the principle here is very simple. The only way you know the unseen Savior is through his word. Through his word. Jesus pointed that out to his enemies in John five thirty nine. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. In them you think you know God. But these are they which testify of me. These, the scriptures are the ones that point towards me. It is through his word you and I know that we know Jesus. It is through his word that you know, that you know God. Someone once said that the Bible's the only book whose author is present every time you read it. This book is where you meet Jesus. This book is how you know God. It's not mere words on a page. It is the means through which the Holy Spirit enables you to experience, to encounter, to fellowship with God. Think of a radio. A radio is an instrument that receives a signal. Uh, The signal is of someone speaking or someone singing. You can't see the people that are singing. You can't see the people that are speaking. You're not physically present with them. But through that radio, you experience their presence. Scripture tells us that the Bible is God's radio. It is God's means of speaking to us. And through the scriptures, Jesus reveals himself, and as he reveals himself, he reveals God. But just as you must turn on the radio to hear it, you must read the Bible if you want to hear the voice of God. Somebody once said, I want to hear the voice of God out loud. Well, there's a real easy way to do that. Just read this book out loud. Just just read it out loud. Then you will hear the voice of God out loud. God just does not want you to just know about him. He wants to reveal himself to you personally. He wants you to know him intimately. And through Jesus and by his word you can. Martin Luther once said, I have made a covenant with God that he sends me neither visions, dreams, nor even angels. I am well satisfied with the gift of the Holy Scriptures, which give me abundant instructions and all I need to know both for this life and for that which is to come. If you want to know that you know God, search the Scriptures, for in them you will know Jesus, the Son of God. A.W. Tozer once said, Modern mankind can go everywhere, do everything, Be completely curious about the universe. But it's only a rare person now and then that is curious enough to want to know God. How do you know that you know God? You can't trust your feelings. You can't depend on what someone else says or someone else believes. But you can know him. And you can know that you know him. Because he wants a warm, loving, personal relationship with you. That's why he's revealed himself. He's opened his heart to you. He's poured out his love and truth. And he's revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. You know Jesus, you know God. But you know Jesus only through the Word of God. When you read your Bible, if you will seek God and listen, he will speak to you. He will draw near to you as you draw near to him. Here's one of the best ways to examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Ask and answer this question. Do you know that you know him? Would you pray with me?